0: Having now been in the trenches for five months, I had passed my prime. Oof! That is one of the brutal lines from this book that I have with me today. Robert Graves, goodbye to all that. What is this book? How did I come about it? Well, after reading a couple of World War One books not too long ago in this past year, I thought, you know what? I'm going to read a little bit more, get find out what are the, some of the other classics. And this one kept popping up about the Great War, World War One. And so I said, "All right, I'm going to do it." And I go through phases every now and then of where I say, "Yeah, all, all right, I'll read some war books. This could be interesting." They kind of depress me a bit, so I don't read them too often. But I find them useful, and uh, I suppose psychologically, a, a good a good way of remembering of of the past and and what's capable of of happening to to human beings. So, this book was written in 1929, and it was actually written at the age of 33 by Robert Graves, so he was still relatively young, and it was very fresh in his mind, the war. It describes his childhood being brought up in, I guess, boarding houses is what we'd call them. He called them charter houses in England. His then experiences during World War I in the front lines, in the trenches as a, I believe he worked his way up to trench captain, so uh, having a, a group of 120 men under his command, And then post-war, after his obvious survival uh, and injury, but how he sort of mixed with society, his poetic sort of um, friends. So, he knew some quite well-renowned authors such as Thomas Hardy, T.E. Lawrence, and his general, I guess, marriage after that. So, it's an autobiography, but a a large percentage of it, and I can tell you how much, 60% of it is about the Great War, about World War One, and then roughly twenty percent about his his childhood experiences there, and then his life as an adult after the war. Now, the crazy thing about this is, if you do some of the math, he was actually roughly in his early twenties during the four years that the war lasted. So he was commanding. He was, you know, commanding proper, full grown men and whatnot. Although obviously they kept needing. Older, either older gentlemen or young kids to to boost the ranks as the war went on. And it just makes you go, God damn, he's such a kid, 20 years old, and he's uh, in such brutal conditions. So what are some of the main themes of the book? I would say pacifism is is one of the big ones, and it, it sort of leaks out through his writings. And it's not what I would say front and center, but there's this underlying theme that you get from... From his time in um, in the actual war, so uh, one of the questions that I guess was raised is: Can there be a just war? Is violence and of this sort not only necessary but ethically the right thing to do? And it's 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 very hard to tell. He goes over his own experiences in the trenches, so the rats, the death, the sickness, the STDs, the mud, the blood, the, you know, name a terrible thing that could happen, uh, the sleepless nights, the you know the loneliness the but also the overcrowding of of men in these tiny disgusting you know dungeon type places it's it's very brutal and I I wanted to find a word for what's the opposite of dignity and the best I could sort of come up with is ignominious uh, and even that doesn't really capture I guess just how bad those conditions were and also I guess Slightly the lie that they were told about oh, this war is going to be about cavalry charges, hero, you know, heroic deeds and uh, you know, bravery, but that didn't conform to what he was experiencing. So, some of the practical strategies, I guess, are are something that is worth talking about. He himself had a more, I guess, you'd call it passive um, pacifism, (laughs) so he would. Write letters. He would write the books such as this, and you know potentially pass it on through friends and family. But he wasn't actively taking a stand, saying you know this is wrong for these reasons. Nonviolence needs to be done for this. And whereas you could take it more, as I just mentioned, nonviolence, the Gandhi sort of route, which works, uh, you know, worked tremendously for for the um, Indians when they were under the colonial rule of of England, but he himself has said some things related to how non-violence would work against someone like Hitler. And you've got to really think, you know, these are Germans coming in from uh, an unknown land. They've they've never seen sort of brown people, um, you know, Indians before. Are they really going to treat them better than they did some of the people in their own lands, the Jewish people who looked way more similar to them than them? And you only need to look at... Some of the violence that's going on in America right now, as to you know, race relations and how they can explode, even with tightly, you know, groups tightly living together. So maybe that was Gandhi's point. The We're so far from removed that you know, when they hurt us, they hurt themselves. That sort of thing could work. Probably not though. Uh, it's it, yeah, you you really have to make a, a very strong case for that. And then another would be, I guess, like the act of Sort so sort of protesting against uh, the the system so sort of thinking now about the Vietnamese War where they had you know very active protesters protesting against violence which is it's sort of funny because it's such a a non thing uh, it's like to to getting two ends of the spectrum you have to be very active in your protesting but also have that restraint to do something which is non active, which is not to fight. And, you know, that would be very, very hard. It got me thinking as well, like, what would I do if, if war broke out right now with Australia and another country? And I really don't know. I would I would definitely need some context because the more books I read of this, it's sort of you know, there's no there's no real good side in all of this. War is war and it's it's terrible and they're obviously are egregious things being done but they get done by both sides so it's, it's sort of it's not true to say we're the good guys in this you could maybe say we're the gooder guys but we're not the good guys and you know, I'd have a real struggle with that so you know, it would depend uh, is Australia doing the one instigating are we the ones invading Iraq are we the ones you know, fighting back against some sort of unknown force coming and fighting with us all would depend, and and how we're fighting, and you know what sort of methods are being used. All, all I think that would uh, would play a big part in in whether um, you know I would volunteer for that sort of thing or or actually fight in 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 the case of a, a general call up. Which is, um, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to to sort of come to real- that realization because you do want to so show your appreciation for your country and have that patriotism and whatnot. But uh, I feel there are. Times and it you do need to think of some of these things of, of the deeper reasons uh, behind what is going on. Ostracism, as well is, is another permeating theme throughout the book. And how much can one person endure of being socially outcast? Personally, um, for him, he was, I guess, unable to speak with his parents about war because they just couldn't understand how it was so different from, I guess, their their perceptions in their time uh but then there would be you know bravery on the field where you would need to prove yourself to your men to actually fit in with them otherwise you you wouldn't be able to lead them and then you know you'd probably have a better uh, a greater chance of dying because your men don't trust you and and whatnot so it's it's very split and you you would definitely need to in those sort of personal cases really look at your actions and say okay Maybe um, you know, there's no bravery in war. He would probably be saying to his parents, but he'd also need to show bravery in in that sort of context in the actual war to to be able to fit in with his his um, colleagues and his the men around him. Then there's the the more group, the wider setting. So society-wise, he he struggled fitting in or tolerating the unbridled patriotism that was going on in england of the time as he's got this this note uh, written in one of the pages uh, papers of the day by this woman called little mother you know spurring on saying how glad she is that her her sons and uh, are fighting in the war and she would gladly spill their blood and uh, you know that's fine and good but you're not the one in the trenches doing the fighting either lady like this is Yes, you've got some investment, but it's not you. You're 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 slightly removed from that process. So, the, he would struggle with that. He would struggle with the military. You know, making unreasonable demands. The the classic thing related to bureaucracies. But when it's life and death, you really feel that. You're there, you know, it's not just you're being told to do some menial task which has already been done, which doesn't matter in you know pencil pushing company. No, this is you're going to go fight. For this spot of land Which will be retaken over anyway Has no strategic value And you want me to do that, why? So he struggles with that He actually sort of deserts the army Right towards the end In a semi-formal way And uh, yeah, it's quite, quite interesting So he, he actually couldn't tolerate I guess the Being in a, an environment Where he was outcast for some of his views So he ended up leaving England And going to Mallorca in Spain for a lot Large periods of his life Also then going to America During the, the Civil War um, in that was happening in Spain And sort of He seemed to, to struggle to fit in In a lot of places So conformity It's a It can it can be a curse But it can also be a blessing And I, I think that's one thing To take away from this You know If you are You always hear Conformity is a bad thing Don't conform You should be free to do Whatever you want But there's a lot of benefits from conforming to the mob to the group from conforming to society standards takes away the pressure of of being outcast on your own of of being so different of having to make so many different decisions and whatnot so i don't feel like it's uh, it's good advice to just say you know be anti conformist on, on everything sometimes you do actually need to fit in with the group because ostracism is a real thing and it is uh, very uh, mentally taxing in in certain ways. So, my personal observations of the book: the style is essential for a good book, and he I'd say he really nails it with his type of writing. He is a he's a very sensitive poet, I would say. So, he's got this way of talking about his times in a little bit of a detached way, but also very funny in in other places. So, there's there's some moments where he's He's talking about being a professional survivor. That's what they called themselves because there was no talk of winning the war. It was surviving the war. And how are you going to survive the war? There was plenty of people who would put their arms above the trenches hoping that their hand would get shot or their leg would get shot in a non-vital area so that they could actually go home and, you know, be able to live. Brutal, brutal stuff yet he would then mix that in the next paragraph with talking about making fun of the french and their dirty trenches or talking about the you know silly captain or the the colonel who got absolutely wasted or this you know ridiculous thing that happened when this guy got shot or total total you know dichotomy between just how bad it was but also the the fun moments that can be taken from life as well and it's real. It's it's a it's real as you can get. Very very genuine. So he talks about atrocities, but also like the absurd patriotism behind them. He talks about praise for the Germans, which you know in that day was you can't you can't say anything good about the Germans in the newspaper of the time. The propaganda that was going on, but he was saying you know the propaganda at home saying the Germans were cowards and weak. No, the Germans were amazing absolute fighters of so- soldiers and blasting them in that way is untruthful because they were the fritz as they called them were the they were humans as well and they were just as good humans fighting against almost just as good other humans to- also talked about cowardice desertion foolish leaders and i guess you know graphic death sex the brothels the everything that there was to To take from a from a war and and it it felt real it felt real genuine what he was talking about and it it left like didn't really leave much the imagination of just what it was like in those times so in summary a very gritty and raw tale of a from a sensitive poet shows the trench warfare and its horrifying brutalness uh, in nobility I'm not sure that's a word but that's how I'm going to describe it uh, but also like the blandness of, of not fitting in because it is a an autobiography. It is about this tremendous period in his life, but also the almost the blandness of him getting bullied as a as a kid in school and having to money problems after the war, trying to to feed his wife and kids, going to Egypt and you know cruising on a on a very cruisy gig, being a professor at a university there. Lots of great stuff all packed into one book. So, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 Robert Graves goodbye to all that. Comparing it to some of the other World War One books, I gave a 6.5 to Storm of Steel and a 7.5 to, uh, uh, what's it called? All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric, Eric um, Maria Remarque. And so, you know, I would say it's sort of between those two books. This one, I would say, gives a, a real general portrait, a, an overview of of one man and what it was like both before during and after the war, those ones are highlighting more specific aspects. So all quiet on the Western front is more for those who want to know just how brutal it was, like the, the, the feelings of the average trench soldier and what trench warfare actually entailed the nerves, the mentality of, of sort of what went on. Whereas all uh, storm of steel is more, the bravery component, what it was like to be a young man in a, in a an adventure almost is how how Ernst Jünger saw it. So comparing between those two books, you you get a good feel um, of what this one is. Well, something pragmatic I'm going to take from it. Uh, I want to read more about Just War. That was a, a concept that came up talking about how can wars ever be just is how would you know if you're actually fighting in a war, if you're a general, whether this war is just or whether ethically you are the the bad guy in this situation. So, uh, lots of interesting things to to take from that and I'm going to do a bit of extra reading. I hope you enjoyed this book review of uh, a a very eye-opening book, I would say. If, if you want to know what World War I is like, this is probably the best uh, accounting I've, I've read of it so far. Hope you enjoy this book review. Current out.